You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. she, her, hers, and I am one of the co-pastors here. Uh, One story that Robbie didn't tell you is that I'm one of the van drivers, and I got stuck in the van in the middle of the Brooklyn Half Marathon throughout the entire service, and the whole um, setup team had to uh, walk way down to near the Barclays Center, take all the equipment, and carry it back here. So, yes, I'm one of the co-pastors, and I'm a van driver as well. (laughs) So, uh, super happy to be here to continue our our values uh, sermon series. So, I come to you not just as the two identities that I mentioned, uh, but I think it's important for me to share the intersections of my identity as I start, uh, my various identities as I start today's sermon. So... I am a cisgender, uh, heterosexual woman. I was born here in the United States. I'm from a town called Teaneck, New Jersey, which is a middle-class community. Uh, Some call it a suburb of New York City because we're about four miles away from the George Washington Bridge. Um, uh, English is my first language. I um, have had the opportunity to go to college. Uh, My mother has her master's degree. Um, And with some of the privileges that I carry in life, I also am a woman. And I have to think about my womanhood every single day. And newsflash, I'm a black woman. And best believe, I have to think about those two identities on a regular basis, from walking down the street to entering stores to yes, I live here too type of situation. So I think it's important because with my various social identities, I am so very much focused on radical equity, right? So with my privileges, I try as hard as I can to create spaces for individuals who may be oppressed in certain areas. And because Tuesday is National Coming Out Day, uh, today (laughs) um, I am going to focus some of my sermon on what it means uh, to me to be an ally of the LGBTQIA plus community. And I will also be talking about some of the other areas where we can focus our attention on radical equity. Amen. Radical. What feelings does that word evoke? Radical. Oftentimes, uh, when this word is used, it refers to something extreme, something progressive, where there is some sort of shift in something. Radical equity. So I did a little word art for today's sermon, and I encourage you to look at these words right, subversive, wild, extremist, all of these things, fanatic. (laughs) So if you look on our website, you will see that one of our values is radical equity. 
right? So we are embracing all of these words, even though these words typically are not popular. These are the types of words that people tend to shy away from, in fact, run away from, and these words are far from the center of public opinion. But here at Forefront, we are still saying, with all of that, we are practicing radical equity. So here's a portion of our church value statement on radical equity. We aspire to change the world first by changing people's lives. For starters, anyone can preach, lead, and get married regardless of your gender identity or sexual orientation. But more than that, we believe in more than equal opportunity, but equity of outcomes. We preach that Jesus didn't treat people equally, but he treated people equitably with a clear preference for the marginalized. So this is what we're saying here. Essentially, we are saying that we are embracing this radical term. We want to be extreme in our faith. We want to be progressive and we want to be equitable, particularly when today in our society, when it comes to the demographics of various churches, you will find all black churches, or oftentimes you will find all white churches, or all Asian churches, or all Hispanic churches. You will find many churches that only have men as leaders. You will find many churches where there are only able-bodied people leading the church. And oftentimes, you don't necessarily see radical equity at play in faith-based spaces. But we want to shift the paradigm today. We are attempting to be at the forefront of changing culture where when we say we are progressive, it is truly something that we are leaning into. Well, what does it mean to think about equality versus equity? Well, when we think about equality, it's just giving everyone the same thing, essentially. However, if we think critically about equity, well, it is giving individuals what they need to be able to succeed. It's creating spaces for those who traditionally have been marginalized. It's ensuring everyone has a seat at the table and not just some. And not only just having a seat at the table, it's where those marginalized voices at the table are being valued and heard and respected. Amen? So it's where we speak up about implicit bias. Oh, I'm sorry, not just implicit bias, explicit bias as well. Amen? It's where we can really use our privilege to create change, where we can be agents of change no matter what. You know, so many people have asked me, why do you make such a big deal about saying your church forefront is so, is uh, LGBTQIA plus affirming? Or 
why did you make such a big deal and continue to with Embrace, the church that I started um, during the pandemic, which is completely virtual? And like, why, why do you have to say it? Why do you have to say it? You know, most churches are welcoming. And what I say to that is that while churches will say that they're welcoming, many churches are not. And many people have been harmed and injured in faith-based spaces and in churches. And if we don't say that we are affirming, people will, will assume that we're just like the other churches, right? So when I tell people I'm a minister and I'm affirming, it lets people's guard down. It helps people to feel comfortable, like where they can be safe and brave. We have had to walk some individuals into this church because they have been so anxious about coming into this community because of past negative experiences. So that's why I make such a big deal about saying, and we're LGBTQIA plus affirming, right? The other thing that I find interesting is that I have a very dear friend who once I really started leaning into my advocacy, she was like, Vanita, um, this is quite interesting because you have been always so vocal about uh, the black community and uplifting the black community. Like, when did this start about, you know, the gay community? Like, when did you kind of start, like, supporting them? And I said, well, my goodness, aren't black people gay too? Uh, aren't, aren't black people queer too? Why can't we think about the intersections of our social identities to bring light and healing to everyone, right? So I am, I'm not only for the black people. <laughs> I am definitely for the black people. And I am trying my best to be an advocate in, for all people, right? So when a colleague behind closed doors can misgender someone, then I can actually say, no, well, their pronouns are this. Well, yeah, they'll continue to talk, and then they'll say the wrong thing. And I'm like, I'm sorry, because I can't really listen to you, because you're disrespecting that person. Even though they're not here, I care about their humanity. And we will not carry on this meeting if you keep misgendering this person. And, of course, the person got flustered and said, Vanity, you're just throwing me off. But, you know, that's okay. I'm always willing to take one for the team when it comes to my advocacy that I take very, very seriously. And let's be clear. Even though we say that we are progressive, there is still so much work to be done, right? Because communities of faith, our church, other churches, we are just not immune from xenophobia, ableism, ageism, racism, heterosexism, right? That's why we're having the anti-racism training, right? Because we always want to grow in all areas. And simply, we are just following the, following the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus touched Jesus healed, Jesus interacted, and made space for those who were deemed untouchable, for those who were deemed unclean, so we can take a lesson from Jesus Christ today. So how are we living out this radical equity in our church, our communities, our world? And if we are struggling, we can continue to look at the examples of Jesus and our siblings and our community for guidance and encouragement. So let's look at a particular example of Jesus exhibiting radical equity. And the text is found in John 4, 
where Jesus has gotten word that the Pharisees were talking a lot about him because they heard that he was here, there, doing what Jesus does best, touching people's lives. And it seems that they were amazed that um, Jesus and Jesus' followers were baptizing more people than, than John the baptizer. And um, it was actually a lot of his disciples that were baptizing during this particular time. But nevertheless, Jesus decided to just move out. Um, it ne wasn't necessarily his time um, to transition into his capture and things of that nature. So anyway, he decided to leave Judea and head into Galilee. And Jesus went through Samaria, where he winds up having an encounter with a Samaritan woman. Now, this is very, very significant because typically Jews and Samaritans were constantly uh, in conflict. They were in dispute with each other in terms of where they believed uh, God chose their dwelling place. Uh, they were constantly in, in conflict for so many, so many years. So it was quite interesting that Jesus has this connection with someone who's deemed less than, with someone who's not seen as valuable or desirable. So let's look at John 4, which states, and he must needs go through Samaria. I'll read it again. Speaking of Jesus, and he must needs go through Samaria. It doesn't say that Jesus must go to Samaria <laughs> or Jesus needs to go to through Samaria, but must needs. I like this King James version in this context because there's really something about it to me because the language expresses a sense of urgency where Jesus seemed to be intentional about something. It was something that needed to be done. Going through Samaria. So this is the easy way, right? There was a way that led right from Judea, directly north to Galilee through Samaria. Now, I have a little map just to show you what typically would happen. Now, Jesus took the easiest route. However, most of the pious Jews of the day, those religious leaders, they typically went the long way around. They, or maybe I don't have to, <laughs> they typically would not go straight up through Samaria. They would typically go east, cross the Jordan River, enter the region of Tyria, then go north, recross the Jordan River, and then finally be in Galilee. So this was way out of the way. So these individuals did everything they could not to go through Samaritan territory. Have you ever experienced your GPS leading you the wrong way? And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, well, wait a minute, I could have gone. It has happened to us a couple of times, right? One time in particular, well, two times. One university where I worked, the directions led us way out of the way and back to the university. 
another time, Todd was, my husband Todd was on a particular board. We were trying to get to a meeting. GPS led us way out of the way, and then we were able to get to this other place where we were going. The interesting thing about these two examples is that we were led out of communities that are deemed less desirable, where a number of communities of color are, number of poor folks, less desirable areas. Not being led straight through, which would have gotten us to these campuses much sooner, but out of the way. You see, Jesus did not allow othering or discrimination of any form to prevent him from making a connection with this woman. This is what radical equity leads us to do, to make room for others, to say come when others say go, where we can play a critical role in the liberation of others through the inviting and freeing love of Jesus Christ. When Forefront Church decided to fully embrace its radical equity value, they decided that they could no longer take the long road around. They decided that they had to go directly to radical equity and face radical equity head on. They had to come to terms with what it meant to truly be affirming and not just everyone's welcome here, but only a select number of people could be leaders. Everyone's welcome here, but you can't lead a small group. Everyone's welcome here, but you can't preach here. So we had to come to the decision that we were going to lean into our values as radical and progressive. And the radical equity started at the top. Our story and our history, some of what we shared last month during our 10-year anniversary, started as a lead pot pastor model, right? Where we were heal hearing from only one person, a white man, our founding pastor, Jonathan Williams, right? Cisgender, heterosexual, right? And then they decided we needed to hear from a multitude of voices. We needed more people making decisions at Forefront Church, not just everything falling on one person, so that vision could come from the pews. And then we went to the triune leadership model. And we have in place now, as leaders, a black woman. How you doing? We have, <laughs> we have a, a gay, out gay man. Right? How you doing? He got married. He got married to a man last week. Just, just saying. And we have a queer Mexican-American pastor. Pastor McKenzie. Sorry, that was Pastor Josh before. And then I'm now talking about Pastor McKenzie, who's off in Denver, Denver with some other faith leaders who are attending progressive churches. Amen? So McKenzie, hey, shout out to Mac. She's going to come back. And she's going to share with us so that we can continue to grow in our progressive values. Amen? So we realized that we can no longer talk about it. We had to be about it. Uh, founding pastor Jonathan shares the story about a time when he was pastor and he was trying to go for a grant. 
And the grant had to do with anti-racism and things of that nature. And they were like, well, you know, how many people of color? Now, you could get all this money. I don't know. I think he says like $40,000 or something. And they were like, how many people of color do you have at the church? And he was like, well, you know, at that time, it was like a small percentage. And, and, and what exactly are you doing? Suffice it to say, he said they didn't get the grant because while they were, they were talking about it, they weren't about it in a way that they needed to be. So in December of 2021, this is when this radical equity value came into fruition. This is when the triune leadership model came into fruition where our church said, we have to move forward in these things. People's lives are at stake. We need to lean into our values more. And that's what we're doing. Andy Fitzgerald of The Guardian, which is a British daily newspaper, said this in one of his articles. Um, it was entitled, Being Labeled a Radical is Meant to Be an Insult. History tells us otherwise. Oftentimes, it's radical actions that are necessary to bring about true social change. And we may be ostracized in one space, these are my words, but I attached them to Andy, my mistake, but that's okay. We may be ostracized in one space, but we're saving lives and we're being agents of change in another. Isn't that incredible, right? So we're, we're touching people on one side and other people are saying, oh, well, that's too much. Are you sure the Bible says this? Are you sure you should be doing that? And in my opinion, like I told someone recently, actually this week, I don't really don't care what people think about me when it comes to that. I would much rather be focused on liberating people and helping to strengthen people's lives rather than be so concerned about whether or not people think I am theologically sound. It just doesn't matter to me. From the walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama for voting rights to the Stonewall uprisings right here in New York City for LGBTQIA rights, those beautiful and courageous radicals and revolutionaries did what they needed to do to bring about change. And I will say today, so can we. So can we. So Jesus' connections with the Samaritan woman brought about change because she was able to reach her whole village with her testimony. Because Jesus made space for her. Jesus saw her. When Jesus connected with her, she was no longer invisible. She was valuable because Jesus saw her humanity. John 4, 39 to 42 says, Many of the Samaritans from the village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on. So Jesus stayed two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He's the savior of the world. People entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. As you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work in and through you to touch and empower and help liberate lives, people will entrust you, to, uh, their lives to you. 
People will believe what you have to say, and they will share the message of love and hope and liberation to other people. I received an email this week from someone that heard um, our tag team sermon a couple weeks ago during the anniversary when Reverend Josh and I preached, and the person said, thank you for that message. I had a friend who was struggling, and I was able to share that word with that person, and they were able to find hope. They were able to find healing. People are going to entrust you with their lives, and you will be able to share messages and share hope and share words that speak life. Not words that bring people down, but words that give hope. But I dare let you know today that being radical takes courage. It takes being uncomfortable, and it takes experiencing loss at times. I have lost so many friends. So many people have stepped back from me when I started my advocacy for the queer community. And in my opinion, it's okay. I always like to say, don't feel sorry for me. My focus is on people in the community, right? I'm always willing to be here for support. But I am more focused on empowering the lives of those who identify than worrying about the loss that I experience in this particular area. Author Sarah Bessie from the Evolving Faith podcast talks about the loss we may experience uh, in this space of evolution, in this space of being progressive. We listened to one of her podcasts um, on Monday night. We're listening to the Evolving Faith podcast for four more Mondays. You can come check us out. But she talks about there being significant loss, right? The loss of a version of ourselves, the way that we relate to God as we move toward radical equity, the loss of certainty and right answers, the loss of family, the loss of friends, loss. And with loss comes grief. But I will tell you that in return, we find hope, we find meaning, we find life to the full through Jesus Christ because we're about life-saving work. We're about life-giving work. And what happens is that when we practice this radical equity, even though we are experiencing loss, the good news is, is that people are no longer isolated. People are no longer marginalized. People are no longer depressed. People are no longer anxious. People are no longer suicidal. It came to a point in my life when I could no longer take the long route around. I could no longer be <clears throat> invisible as it related to my allyship, where one part of my life I was doing all this advocacy, and then with a number of other folks, they had no idea. And I came to the point where during Pride Weekend 2015, I let folks know I am an ally of the LGBTQIA community. I am a proud ally. And I could no longer avoid the topic. I had to take the short route, and I had to face it head on. And I have continued to be strengthened in this work on a regular basis. So in addition to my pastoring, I also have the opportunity to be a higher education professional. And God has opened up so many doors where I'm able to empower the lives of students who are trying to negotiate their faith and their identity as well, their, their sexuality and their gender identity. And 
I'm able to offer them hope. So that is a ministry as well. And I'm also grateful for the cross-pollination that comes into play where a number of people are able to trust me with their stories, trust me with everything they're going through, and then I can bring people on from forefront to be able to help with various marginalized communities, right? So that's why Pastor Mac could come and speak at our Lavender graduation where we celebrate the achievements of our queer students on campus. That's why Dee from our leadership team can come on our campus and talk about expansive identities. That's why um, Deacon Kim can come when we have Disability Awareness Month and she can bring her expertise in the area of special ed and things of that nature. That's why uh, Priscilla can come to my class where I teach race, gender, and the media and she can talk about being a podcaster and her communication background. And if I didn't call your name, I'm coming for you, okay? I'm gonna be asking you to come and speak because I try to do all that I can to ensure lives are lifted, right? Where we are affirming every one. And this gives me joy. This gives me excitement. And on campus, I have been able to help lead the charge for all gender restrooms. I've been able to help lead the charge as it relates to our Pride Center and getting that open. So that has been a true blessing. And I am grateful for Forefront Church, where I can be the co-leader of a church which creates space for an openly gay man like Joel Fields to be ordained today, where Joel can come with his husband, Nelson, where they can bring their baby, little baby Joel, he's so cute, check him out, where they can come and we can exercise radical equity. I'm happy to be in a church where people can receive salvation. And the Greek word for salvation is sozo, which means to heal, to bring wholeness, to preserve. God is healing the fractured parts of ourselves right here as we practice this radical equity. I was listening to uh, an NPR podcast. <laughs> yes, Reverend Josh. <laughs> called Snap Judgment. I actually have a mug that says NPR nerd, okay? Um, and Snap Judgment was sharing another podcast called Fin and the Bell. Maybe some of you heard it. And it was a mother who was talking about her son who had committed suicide. And she reflected on the time and the experience when they first got the news. And this mother went on to say, I felt like I knew while why we were alive. I felt like I knew while we, why we were alive. We are alive for each other. We are alive for each other. Forefront, friends, community, everyone who's listening to this sermon, we can no longer take the long road around. It's so important for us to take the short road. Scripture tells us that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And as we are one in Christ Jesus, we can continue to ask God for more. More of God in our daily lives.
I need more, more, more. Jesus, more of you. I need so much more. Jesus, more of you. Más, más, Cristo más de ti. Quiero más, 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 Cristo más de ti. More, 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 more of Jesus every day. So here we are. Tuesday, as I mentioned, is National Coming Out Day. And in another expression of us leaning into our value of radical equity, we're going to do something really special this morning, this afternoon. We are going to invite those of you who are part of the LGBTQIA community to come out here at Forefront Church. You can come and share your name your pronouns, and what you're coming out as, the identities you're coming out as. And we will applaud you, we will welcome you, we'll give you a little gift. This is our second annual National Coming Out Day here at Forefront Church. So if you're interested, make your way. Let's just clap it up. We welcome you today. We welcome you today. Line up. Come on up. And you can you can grab a microphone. Mm -hmm. I went first last year too. This is gonna be a tradition now, I guess. <laughs> um, Daniel Jose, he and they pronouns. I'm so many letters of this alphabet. Queer, trans, demisexual, panromantic, and polyamorous. This is also a plug for my small group. Yes. Putting it out there. Um, <laughs> okay, well, I didn't realize we had to come and say it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but I said when I saw the newsletter that I would stand. Um, but I'm Viv, and I use she and they pronouns. And I'm queer, bi, pan, I don't know, and, um, and, and gender non-conforming of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Viv. Thank you, Viv. Any more? Any more? Okay. All right. So let's just give it up for those who are able to come. Viv oh, one more. Up, up. Come on. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Carlo. Um, <laughs> so my actual first name is Carl hyphen Eric, and I'm a Haitian hyphen American, and. Uh, 
I had like so many different things in my life for like two things at the same time. So I guess it would make sense that God would make me bisexual. So. <laughs> Anyways, you're the first full group of people I ever told like that. So. Yes, Carla. Can I hug you? God bless you, Carla. Hi everyone, um, my name is Ian Sotomayor, my pronouns are he, they. Um, I identify as bisexual and polyamorous as well. Um, and I just wanna give this church a shout out. I feel like I've been church hopping for a minute, many years now. Some churches love to think they're woke on like accepting queer people, but I feel like y'all are doing the work. So get up for forefront everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you Ian. Thank you Ian. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Noah. I'm, uh, I go by he, him pronouns. I'm gay. Um, I've been known, I know I was gay for like since I was in elementary school, so it's kind of crazy just to be in the church to say that. Um, yeah. Because the church I grew up in was not very um, progressive. Uh, and so I'm just really happy to be here. I'm here with my boyfriend, Ian, actually. Yes. <laughs> uh, <Hey>. oh. <laughs> so. And yeah, I'm just like, I'm just, I've had, I'm having a great time. I'm not from here. I'm from Los Angeles, actually, but it's just nice to visit. And um, I'm just, you guys are so welcoming. I just love being here. So yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Noah. So happy for you. And feel free to squirt some pride out in the world. I'll take it. Yes. So glad you came. Hi. Hi. Hi, my name is Natalie. I am queer and she, her, and it's changing my life to be able to say that at a church. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Bless you. Hello. Hey. Oh, it's bright. Um, <laughs> my name is Jonathan. He, him. I am bisexual. And I feel like everyone else said more, so I'm going to say more. Okay. <laughs> and I will say that this is very welcoming, a lovely church. Um, I'm originally from the West Coast, now I'm on the East Coast. And yeah, I am bisexual and bicoastal. Oh. Hey! <laughs> Jonathan, I love your church, Jonathan. Thank you for all of you who were just courageous enough to come up to the stage. If you didn't, that's fine too. Um, God bless you. And right now we're going to move right into our commissioning service. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.